Hello, this is Tom Miller from Solar Review. Today we're bringing you a panel live from SPI 2017. It's entitled Getting Out of the Race to the Bottom, and it's moderated by Solar Review regular Pam Cargill. The panelists, which include our own Baywa CEO, Boaz Seufer, dive deep into what it means to run a healthy solar contracting business. They touch on brand, customer acquisition, lots of topics that are essential to be thinking about in your solar business. So I'll get out of the way and get right to the show, but I will give a quick plug and ask you to subscribe to Solar Review. Just Google Baywa Review, that's B-A-Y-W-A, in review, R period, E period, view. And uh, also subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss anything. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. And here's Pam Cargill. Good morning, everybody. Woo! You guys are awesome. How many of you were at the block party last night? Well, that was that was super nice. I have to say, I've been going to SPI for several years now. That has got to be one of the nicer block parties I've been to. I mean, to be on a beach. Although I, it took me a couple minutes to get all the sand out of my shoes. I'll have to bring my sandals next time if we're going to do another beach party. So here's here's our agenda. We're just going to do a little welcome and session framing, and then we're going to we're going to do an activity called peer roundtables. And peer roundtables is what you're at right now. This is where we're going to be better understanding the pain points you're having as a business. And then these gentlemen who are sitting up here are going to speak specifically to that. So instead of us kind of guessing what we think your problems are and talking to them and then having a bunch of questions afterwards, we're going to learn first what matters to you and we're going to talk specifically to that. And then we will have some time during the discussion portion of this to answer any clarifying questions that you have. All right. So here are our learning objectives. This is the stuff we actually want you to come away with today. So we're going to talk about the variety of ways to define a healthy business. One of the interesting things that we all had in our conversations planning this session together was we actually spent quite a bit of time arguing about the definition of a healthy solar contracting business. And truth be told, there isn't, you know, it's like, well, is it this gross margin and that net margin? Is it profitability? Is it this? Is it that? And, you know, one of the important things we, we came to learn was it's, it's actually defined by the business owner. It's defined by, it's defined by us. So we're going we're gonna to talk about all the different ways that we can define what a healthy business is. Another thing is we want to give you all an opportunity to connect and learn from each other. You know, this is a big thing that's great about events like SPI is you get to network and learn from other business owners all over the country and sometimes even all over the world about what works for them, what they've tried, what hasn't worked. Take advantage of that during our breakout session to listen and learn from those people. You may find a business mentor here. You never know. Be open to it. And the last thing is we're going to identify some tactics that'll be appropriate for your business size. A lot of you here may run really small businesses. Some of you may run slightly larger businesses. But you'll be able to come out of this with a, a general idea of maybe a tactic or two that you can go back home and implement right away that'll make something happen for you. So that's the idea of what we're going to do here. OK, why does this even matter? How many of you can relate to this downward sloping margin crush that you see happening in this. Go ahead, raise your hands, because like I'm feeling it too. I'm a small business owner. Yeah. Okay, we're feeling this. This is a lot of us are hurting from it too. So this is exactly why this conversation matters so much. 
because we need to find ways to get out of this race to the bottom. That's exactly why this session was titled the way it is. We wanna figure out how can we get to a point where we're thriving and not just surviving. So defining business health, obviously, there's a lot of components to it. The cost, the margin, you know, we're going to start to explore that a little bit more fully during our, our breakout discussion. So before we get started, I just want to take a quick, uh, a quick demographic check of who's here. So raise your hand if you're in the business of residential solar. Awesome. Okay, hands down. How about commercial and industrial? Wow, great. All right, some of you guys have some pretty diversified businesses. Anyone in financial services? Okay, good. How about manufacturers? Any manufacturers? Oh. Sorry that no one's here in the room from that. How about distribution? Anyone in distribution? Boaz, all right, awesome. Oh, hey, all right, cool. Hey, Aaron, nice to see you. <laughs> um, anyone else, like any other service providers, like consulting engineers, marketing folks? Matt Hirsch, what's happening? Good to see you. Um, how about like something completely different? Like you haven't, all right, cool. What do you do? You're a student, all right, great. Happy to have you here. We're all students today, right? <laughs> all right, how many of you in business for a year? How about, how about more than five years? Okay, keep your hand, how about more than 10 years? Wow, how about more than 15 years? Oh man, you guys are incredible. Give those guys a hand who've been doing this for 15 years, seriously, woo! Next year, next year, all you guys who raised your hands, you're running this session. All right, how about the size of company? How many of you have five employees or less? Okay, that's about right. That's, that's, that kind of jives with the Solar Foundation's numbers. How about between like six to 10 employees? Hmm, okay. How about like 11 to 20? Oh, interesting. How about more than 20? Wow, all right, very nice, cool. All right, how many of you run like one crew? Mm, okay, how about two crews? Mm, nice, three crews. Wow, man, you guys are busy, that's incredible. How about four crews? Whew, smoking, amazing. <laughs> how many? <laughs> 15? Wow, I want, to, I want to see your project management software. That's got to be incredible. All right, how many, how many of you uh, serve like more than 20 jurisdictions? Mm, okay, how about more than, I don't know, 50? Yeah, okay, all right. How about, how about like more than two states? Yeah, okay, very interesting, cool, cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Now that we've gotten to know you a little bit, I'd like to introduce you to our experts today. We have a bunch of gentlemen up here who have run contracting businesses and or spend all of their time working with contractors. And I'm just going to go down the line uh, very quickly. We have Barry Cinnamon, who uh, ran Akina, which was the first national scale residential solar business, but now runs Cinnamon Solar, which is a small local contractor. And from what I've gathered, you're much happier running Cinnamon Solar now than you were running Akina. <laughs> Barry also runs Spice Solar, which is an integrated racking manufacturer. Um, Barry, could you tell everybody just briefly a little bit about why we've invited you to 
bring your perspective here and just a little bit about how you define a healthy contracting business. Well, let me start off with defining a healthy contracting business. Oh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah, you asked that question during our preparation, and I, I thought about it, and I said, I can tell when my contracting business is running smoothly and when I wake up in the morning and I'm happy to go to work. So, and, and that's really important to me, and that's kind of the, the way I like to live my life. And, you know, more specifically, yes, I, I look at the regular QuickBooks reports that I pull. I like to make sure that my employees are, are running smoothly. So, so that's it. That, that's how I define it. I like to go to work in the morning. It's running smoothly. And then look at the flip side of it, and then there's just a whole host of issues that kind of, you know, I still have to go to work, but then I go to work dealing with these problems. Mm -hmm. And you did a great job when we were organizing the session because we wrote down a lot of the high-level topics on the, on the forms that people have on the tables. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Great. And so sitting, sitting next to Barry is a Boaz Seufer. He was a contractor for several years and now runs uh, Bewa, the distributor based in New Mexico. And Boaz, tell us a little bit about how you're defining a healthy contracting business. <clears throat> I guess one thing that comes to mind um, in defining a healthy contracting business is kind of a combination of transparency and to, to build on what Barry just talked about, morale. You can have great morale, but if you have poor transparency, it, people might be really happy for all the wrong reasons. Mm, um, but if you have both, if people know the numbers, I'm a, I'm a believer in that. I'm a, I'm a believer in um, employees knowing how the business is running. Um, and if they know how the business is doing and they're happy, <laughs> then your business is probably pretty healthy. Thanks. Sitting next to Boaz is Vincent Battaglia. And Vincent runs an organization called Renova Energy. And Renova used to just be Renova Solar. And it's, it's interesting to watch some of the pivots that are now happening in our, in our industry. And so Vincent, if you could speak a little bit to that while you're also telling us a little bit how, about how your organization is defining healthy business. For, for Renova Energy, uh, it's a balance between healthy margins have to maintain margins. And the other side of the equation are those reviews. The mm. Yelps, the solar reviews. If you're keeping people in the public happy and you're maintaining healthy margins, that to me is a definition of a healthy company. I've done it for 11 years and I've just, I've maintained that, those two standards. Really, and I'm also hearing a little bit about having that focus too. Mm. Like underneath that, I'm hearing very much so having the focus on doing that work. Yeah. yeah. Great. And so sitting next to Vincent is Peter Trost. And Peter runs an organization called Energy Circle. And Energy Circle helps contractors do their own lead generation under their own brand. And Peter works with a lot of contractors in HVAC and building performance. And one of the reasons that Peter and I have been getting to know each other for several months now, and I invited him to come here to provide a little perspective from a very mature but much lower margin, hugely competitive contracting space to bring to all of us today. So, you know, Peter, I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, healthy contracting from outside the solar industry. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. Yeah, I come from the theoretically greener pastures of uh, HVAC and energy efficiency. But ironically, that whole industry looks at solar and says, if we only had the demand that you guys have. So, so it's an interesting uh, thing. So I, I think my definition of healthy 
are contracting businesses that manage the entirety of their businesses, companies like Renova and Barry's companies that own every aspect of their business, from lead generation to installation to financing, all in. What is unique about solar is the this extent to which it is segmented. This doesn't really exist in HVAC and energy efficiency, this sort of phenomenon of, of people you can buy leads from and, and companies that are hugely dominant on purchase leads. It exists a little bit, but not in any way like it does in solar. So that sort of concept of whole businesses, strong brands, you know, these guys generate a lot of business because of the reputations and reviews and so forth that they have. That's my view of what a healthy contracting business looks like. Mm, great. Great. Thank you, guys. So um, now that we've kind of framed out a little bit of the perspectives of what healthy contracting sounds like, looks like, feels like, acts like, what we're going to do is sit down now and we're going to generate some of our ideas about the pain exactly. we're experiencing around what's keeping us from being a healthy contracting business. So we're, we're just gonna do this for about 10 minutes together in groups. All of us are going to come out to the tables that are set and we're going to sit down and, and work with you to moderate those conversations. Um, after we do that for 10 minutes, we're all going to report out and just talk about those themes. And then we're gonna spend the rest of our time together reacting. We're gonna have a discussion up here about what was important to you. We're going to get you to ask some clarifying questions and you know, kind of think of it like, you know, this is the talk show here and I'm like the Ellen DeGeneres of solar and I'm just gonna make sure that you get your questions answered and it's fun and engaging. So, um, so here's the question that we're going to be working with today. What pain points are you experiencing that most impacts the health of your business. And if you look at the template that's on the table in front of you, we've provided several categories for you to specifically consider this under, because we're not looking for things like, well, you know, I'm having trouble with my marketing. You know, be, be a little bit more specific. We're not asking you to, you know, give away all the details of your company, but just like be a little bit more specific about the exact pain point. Like, you know, instead of I'm having trouble generating qualified leads saying, you know, my door-to-door my -door program just isn't converting at the period that I want it to convert. Does that make sense to everyone? Like the level of specificity you're looking for? Not like your specific close rate or anything. I mean, you know, standard antitrust statement here. We are a room full of competitors. We don't want to be talking about my pricing, your pricing, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm seeing some head nods. Okay, when the moderators come out to the table, they'll be able to you know, address some of these questions again. So we're gonna, put, we're gonna put 10 minutes on the clock. The clock is gonna count down so everybody knows how much time they have. Gentlemen, if you'd come out and join us at the tables. Okay. So I'd like, to in, I'd like to invite you all back from your conversations. The next thing I'd like us all to do before we come back, I'm just gonna put one minute on the clock and now at your table, you have all these ideas you've generated. What do you think the three are that are the most painful that you'd like us to chat about? Okay, pick the three. Wow, a minute goes by really fast. Isn't that amazing? 
So I'm, I'm just going to kind of go down the line here real quick, and we're going to... And we're going to just, if any of you from the back, if you want to bring yours up and, and you'd like to give your top three, please, uh, please come up if any of you want to participate. And I'm just going to go down, I'm just going to go down the line. Okay. So, all right, Vincent, what you got? Okay, we have uh, in sales and, or under sales and marketing, customer acquisition. So maybe we can all get into a timeline conversation about, about customer acquisition, some of the best practices. That's what we're here for. We're here to completely be as transparent as you need. And customer acquisition seems to be something, a theme that's been coming up quite a bit. So I decided, just defined it as CAC. And that man at the very end is actually fabulous at customer acquisition. So, and then the second is performance analysis. When you do a project, how does it filter out at the end? What does your margin look like? What mistakes did you make? What don't you want to repeat? What do you want to repeat? So that's performance analytics. And finally, warranty from, uh, that seems to be a pain point. A lot of the manufacturers are, are getting a little slower on responding when there are warranty issues, right? Because you've got now thousands and thousands of solar systems out there. So that's a pain point. Perhaps we can talk about that as well. Mm, great. Okay. Peter. Yeah, so I would say our first uh, number one was, was around sales and sales, uh, uh, sales staffing in particular. So uh, how to get uh, outside sales people, commissioned uh, agents to uh, own up to uh, the sort of strength of a company and to sort of not go down, not, not sort of price too low, sort of maintain a, a reasonable and profitable pricing. So that was kind of number one. And then I think just in general, the whole question of finding uh, and compensating uh, salespeople, the question of the balance of in-house versus out-of-house. So that was sort of one and two. And then I would say number three was probably focused mostly on the whole area of, um, of customer acquisition and lead costs and the declining quality of uh, purchase leads from various agents. Great, thanks. Yeah. Everybody, this is Amir. He's the Assistant General Counsel at SIA. He's here helping us with our consumer protection efforts, so you should really give this guy a hand. Uh, so <clears throat> I was going to say, uh, kind of funny you mentioned consumer protection because that was actually uh, one of the things that came up. I'm so shocked that that would come up at your table, Amir. Amazing. <laughs> as much as I wish I said it, uh, uh, no. So actually, um, so one of the pain points was uh, competitors. So competitors saying, for example, um, either undersizing systems, uh, saying something that's misleading, and then um, you know the contractor coming in and having to clean up the mess. Um, you know, that complicating the uh, sales process. So that was one pain point. Uh, another pain point that was brought up was differentiating yourself um, from other products or other services, um, talking about like why um, your product is, um, you know, much better or the difference between the two. And then the uh, third one that came up was um, find, finding qualified personnel, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, you don't have to uh, resort to, for example, can you drive? Oh, okay. These are, these are real legit problems here. Great. Thank you very much. Yep. Boaz. So we had one topic come up three times in, in similar ways that was um, it, more about evaluating the um, existing marketing efforts that relied on outsourcing of lead generation and bringing those resources in-house. So, so we heard about that specific to web, specific to sales team, and relating to marketing in general in a smaller organization. So I would say going from relying on outside entities for marketing to bringing that in would be the common theme there. Um, number two, 
uh, more of a personnel issue is uh, trouble retaining uh, installation employees based on the repetitive nature of the work and having trouble coming up with incentive programs that retain them. And number three, I'm going with uh, the actual implementation of systems. So after a job is sold, being able to deliver on all the promises that are made in the proposal process. Um, uh, and and in, in that is time wasted, working with customers, um, and uh, keeping, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that refers to keeping expectations clear and realistic also. Is that on point? Okay. Great. Nice job, thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, this is Scott Elias. He works with SIA. He helps with a lot of their educational programming now. So yeah, so shockingly, um, customer acquisition was one of the, the big topics. So shocked. Um, but really also, you know, consistency of leads, how long it takes to actually convert uh, the lead, um, as well as different sort of methods to, to acquire new customers. Uh, the second bucket would be under personnel training, really a focus on installation training as well as sales training. Um, and then the third uh, concern that uh, folks wanted to be discussed was really, you know, panel pricing and supply and sort of declining margins. Mm, okay, there's a lot of territory there. Thank you very much. Barry. Okay, I'm going to go kind of backwards. One, uh, one thing that came up was related to technology. Um, and it's interesting, the table we had had a lot of people from new markets, whether they're overseas or states in the U.S. that weren't um, historically known as big solar states. So just getting the right products or figuring out what the right products were was, was a challenge for these people in new markets. Um, the second was, was pretty common. It was under the policies and regulations category. Market uncertainty due to regulations, whether that's the Section 201 tariff case or local incentives or what came up, just the, the local utility. Uh, not being cooperative or establishing regulations that make it hard to run a profitable business. And the most common was um, in sales and marketing, low price and low quality competitors kind of ruining the market. And, Ooh, um, I'm seeing a lot and, of nodding on and, that one. And, you know, that kind of comes back to what, what C is doing with the mirror and the consumer protection um, rules. One thing I would suggest as a contractor, I, I post those rules on my website. And I, I send out emails to customers and all my leads just saying, hey, you know, these are things to look for, um, um, you know, if you're looking at, at selecting a contractor. And that kind of helps. But that low price and low quality competitor issue happens in new markets and it happens in established markets. And really the only way to kind of overcome that is, you know, good local branding. And my friend at Vincent's probably the star at that. Ooh, okay, that's some fertile territory. Thanks, okay, Barry. Thanks. Okay. Hi, what's your name? Kevin Morgan, and I'm with World Energy. We're an energy service company. We also provide solar to our commercial industrial customers. What you got for us? So sales and marketing, lead generation and making prospects more aware, and making sure if we do the work of educating the customer that we end up landing the business and they don't go with another contractor. If you go through all that work. Um, the second pain point was low electricity rates. I know one of our uh, people at our table was from Missouri, and they have eight six and eight cent rates, which makes it, you know, a tough sell. And the third is managing subs, contractors, and making sure installs get done in timely fashion. Great. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Give, it, give him a hand, too, for participating. Thanks for presenting. Hi, what's your name? Uh, Jimmy Garrett. Great. Nice to meet you. What you got for us? All right. So uh, we all kind of agreed on education of sales team, uh, both in communicating value to the customer, keeping the price uh, without sacrificing margin, and also just setting expectations for 
realistic expectations for what operations can then deliver. And everybody also kind of shared the pain point of uh, the admin to installer ratio in a, in a contracting company of always needing to build bigger in-house to support, you know, the teams and the crew and what the right ratio, you know, kind of should look like. So. Great. Thank you very much. Give them a hand. All right. And, and what I'm holding in my hand says uncertainty for time of use blocks. Okay. This is, this has to do with uh, utility rate changes that are happening. Boy, that's, that's challenging. That's happening in California, but it's coming to you sooner or later. Let's see. Personnel. Keeping staff motivated and quality hiring shortage. How many of you are having trouble finding and retaining good talent? Yeah, it is, it is tough. When, we're in a, when, when this industry is going up on a, next to a construction boom, it is very hard for us to get good people. Very hard. And then under technology, I see software here. Oh boy, what kind of software do I use to run my company? That's a pretty rich area. So we got a lot of things that we can discuss here. Oh my goodness. This, this, <laughs> this session should be like three hours long. This can be a, this can be a master class in how to, how to, and we got 20 minutes. Okay. Well, let's see what we can do here. So how about we start by, um, you know, we do have a session this afternoon on customer acquisition and that's at 2.30. So, um, I don't want us to, to, to steal their thunder too much. So very briefly, very, very briefly, let's just say a couple words about differentiation and, and branding from all of your perspectives, and then let, let's move on to some of the, the non-customer acquisition topics. Vincent, I know you're yep. dying to speak. Please, I want you to start. I'll, please, please. I'll, I'll kick it off. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I began Renova in 2006 as a, it was my master's thesis for, M, for my MBA. So I had to put a, a business plan together, and I had to, and that's what we've stuck to. And a part of that business plan from the very beginning was to tell myself to that this was that proverbial marathon. This wasn't to be a sprint. So I think everyone in this room should really learn to breathe a bit better. We're getting crap from us. I mean, I've been having it for 11 years from utilities, from the world saying that what we're involved in here, we're disruptors and this is, you know, it, we don't have a dependable business. Well, that's, that's bull. We have a great dependable business, but you have to breathe and you have to take it slow. It's an incremental business. So when you look at branding, you don't have to take over the world. We, we use the moniker local, brighter, better. And we, and we stick to that. We, just, we, we repeat it over and over and over again. We stick with this, the, the idea of just being local and, and we own that. We don't try to spread out. We don't try to go into other people's territories. You wanna, you wanna play nice with, with folks who are in other territories and it, and it works, it does work. Referring works very well. Bringing on new, uh, new employees, people wanna work with you because they know that you've been around for, for a while, for over a decade, and they, they, people want a long-term career path. And that, that's what you've got to prove to not only your customers, but your employees as well. Other thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, so <coughs> I would say, you know, you've got two companies sitting up here that have very strong brands, and I would just encourage you, watch what these guys do, because they're, you know, they are doing it right. Um, embrace local. It came up at our table, you know, 
on the question of sort of do you compete with a national player? And somebody at our table said, yeah, you know, Solar City's kind of a layup. We kick there, you know what, uh, because we're, you know, we're we're sort of local. So I think embrace that and replace purchase leads with leads that you generate and you own yourself via digital marketing, via social media, via you know, having good websites that attract organic traffic uh, and, and so forth. It can be done. Right. So, so uh, two things. One, with regards to the leads. When you're starting up, it's very hard to have a business based on referrals because you probably only have one customer at the you know, very beginning. Um, but just focus on that. And, and you may have to buy leads and do whatever it takes at the beginning to kind of build that base. But then you're going to find as the years go by, and right. these years go by pretty fast, you find out that you can generate a lot of good business from referrals. And, and that turns out to be the most profitable. And the second suggestion I have, which isn't my suggestion, it's Vincent's. I'm going to put him on the spot again, is get the dot .solar domain. And I'll let Vincent explain that because it's his idea. Oh, yeah, sure. tell, tell us about that. Sure. Um, whoever is, you have a .com, right? Well, .com opened up to .solar, .grocer, .coffee. Uh, if you don't own your .solar, buy your .solar, right? That, that's a great way. You know, folks are going to find you more and more electronically online. So get online, get on GoDaddy, and buy, buy your .solar. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, so it's like get Renova.solar. Mm -hmm. I have Cinnamon.solar. That's, that's and then one. you can also do it for your community. So, you know, I have... Campbell.solar, because I run operate in Campbell. So people that do searches, it's, it's easier to kind of get that cheap traffic because you own that local .solar domain. And to go a step further on that, we're, we were originally RenovaEnergy.com. We went to Renova Solar in 2009, 10, 11 to describe what it is that we do, right? Folks needed to wrap their heads around what it is that we do with adding solar. Well, now that we're doing more and more battery storage and microgrids, we are going back to the future. We're essentially going back to Renova Energy. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. so if you're a solar right now, a sun, sun solar, you're going to want to become Sun Energy. You're going to want to do your best to become an energy company, morph into that energy. Folks are going to start looking for you to be a, an entire holistic energy solution. So then, of course, buy your dot energy. Mm -hmm. that. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you. No. Boaz, well, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Because you you've been a contractor and you have a wide view on contractors all over the country. What are you what are you yeah. seeing happening here? See happening in, in relationship to brand. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Um, I think w what I see, and I'm not sure if this is wishful seeing yet, um, is that uh, more authenticity is emerging through brand, and and I think we have a tendency in marketing to talk about kind of inventing a brand that's compelling um, and, and that there's some uh, magic to that <laughs> when the, the truth is that the brands that are most successful actually figure out how to demonstrate the values of the company and, and the leadership through the brand. Like, <clears throat> you know, Renova always comes up as an example of brand. I, I don't really know you guys as a company, but I'm looking at you and I can see that you all espouse this brand um, in how you show up even at an event like this. And, and so I can, I can feel what the values of the company are. I can't necessarily name them, but the values are being expressed through brand. And if, if there's not integrity and authenticity in how brand is developed, it's not gonna work. The, the big aha with Apple was they finally figured out who they were, right? And started doing that. 
Um, and so I'm seeing that more with contractors. I'm seeing more authenticity and more integrity. And um, there's still all the fly-by-night, you know, clever names and clever logos. But this is about being who you really are in the market and being compelling for that. May, may I um, yeah, about uh, leads? This is a concrete uh, for you all who, are, who care about leads or how you get lead gen. Uh, solar reviews, I, we were their first customer about five, six years ago. Uh, Jamie Lakes founded that organization out here. Uh, or, uh, he took it from one of the early zip code kind of trackers for, I forgot the name of the website that they purchased, but it's Solar Reviews. If you want, I, I, I don't know if that's okay to give a, it's, and I, I've got to give you what I know. Hey, and, we're looking, for, are, are we not here to look for practical examples of what to do? Okay, like, so let's, this, let's hear it. <laughs> this is practical, and you'll want to go out and talk to, uh, to Jamie. He's, uh, he's, he's a good uh, Greek-Australian. Don't know how that happened, but he's, he's a good man, and he will absolutely help drive real leads your way, and you can, you can call him if you have an issue with zip codes, things like that, and he's been very, very good at us, or good to us, rather, on finding good leads. Okay, great. That's good on brand for a little bit. I, I want to switch gears and, and talk about personnel. You know, a lot, of, a lot of us are feeling the pain of, as we're growing, how do we hire people? How do we hire the right skill sets? We get them there. How do we keep them? So how are, how are you guys seeing, seeing that happening? What are you doing in order to make sure that you are bringing in and keeping the right people? Hiring? Yeah. The right people? Yes. Not retaining. Yeah, let's start with, let's start with hiring and then move on to retaining. So, Gary Gerber was, was on a panel with me at the NABSEP conference and said it took him 41 years to finally realize that the um, adage to hire for culture, not for skill, needs to be followed. And he made you know, mistake after mistake after mistake. Little by little, he got it that if somebody doesn't really vibe well with the organization, it doesn't really matter what their skills are, it's going to be an issue. Um, there are there are websites where for free, you can download hundreds and hundreds of interview questions sorted by category. And there are categories that are aimed at, does this person resonate with my value system? And the questions sound like, um, can you give me an example of a time when you were working for a manager who asked you to do something that you didn't feel was right, and how did you handle that? Great interview question, right? Because someone will tell you, well, I just did it anyway and didn't tell my manager. Okay, well, how would I handle that as your manager? Or I talked to my manager and told them my belief system and what they were asking me to do didn't quite jibe and how about this other way of handling it? Oh, that's interesting, right? So I think hire for value is hire for culture. Yeah. Back in 2000. 2006, 7, 8, we had less than 30 employees. It was hard back then to find people who were suited for the industry because it, there was no industry, really, and we had to train people. So we were very heavy on bringing in people that we, we liked, and then we would train them. Over time, we have 150-plus employees right now, and one practical uh, example, pay a $500 referral fee to the folks who bring in a buddy 
of theirs. That works every time because that person, that person has a, you know, there's a great culture going on and that person will definitely find someone who's like them who will fit into that culture. Give them the $500. It's so, so worth it. And now we're experiencing a, 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 a difficult time finding uh, employees because we have, what, 3% unemployment and so it's, it's tougher to take people away. So it's the culture. That, it's the culture that speaks to those people who are working jobs. Yes, they're getting paid a little bit more, but it's a grind. And when they see the culture that you're creating and that you're consistent with, they'll come to you for a little less money, but just to be a part of something greater. Barry, you've got a pretty small team. What, what, what's happening in your world? Uh, well, the team's kind of, you know, they, they go up and down, but you know, <laughs> it, it, was, it was hard finding the right people when I had you know, hundreds. Yeah. And it's, it's hard now that I've got a dozen. Um, it, what I found, you, you ask all the questions, you do all the checking on the background, you, you, you get an application, and, and typically what we'll do is we'll just bring, if we find somebody who we think is good, we'll bring them in initially for a one or two week trial period, and then they're on 90 days probation, right. and we just see how they work out. Usually, you know within a, a week or two whether or not the person's gonna be good, and, and um, then you do every, everything you can to keep them. It is getting more and more challenging, you know, operating <clears throat> in Silicon Valley, very low unemployment, very high wages, constant pressure, like everyone, to lower prices on systems to get jobs, but right. um, you know, coming back a little bit to pricing jobs, you just have to hold your line on your margins because if you do continue that race to the bottom, which we're talking about here, you're not going to be able to employ the people that are going to do quality work for you. Right. Can I add? Please. Uh, in, in, when you're onboarding an employee, the, the one or two week trial period and the probation period are great ideas. For those of you running larger organizations where you have managers responsible for those, um, I think it's really important for you to let those managers know what your expectations are. So, so I want you to make a decision about this new hire within 90 days. And if they're still here after 90 days and they don't work out, at the six-month mark or at the nine-month mark, that's on you, and I'm, I'm expecting you to learn from that experience, right? Because investing resources and training and um, benefits and you know all kinds of stuff in the wrong people is incredibly expensive for a contractor that's trying to figure out how to run a more efficient business. And if, and if you want to differentiate yourselves, we we turned to an ESOP uh, two years ago. Uh, it was official a year ago. ESOP is employee stock owned. Um, I gave 3% of the stock to the employees. 74, or nearly half of the employees were eligible. Man, that, that was the coolest thing to do. So that, that's a thought too. You want to distinguish yourself from other companies out there, you're not giving an awful lot away. There's, they don't have to have voting rights necessarily, but they do have to feel a stronger part of the company. And that ESOP was one of the best decisions that I could have made when it comes to hiring. I've definitely, seen, I've definitely seen the ESOP there's phenomenon a, starting to spread yeah. in the industry. Yeah, there, there's, this, is, this, is actually, this is actually a really interesting way to also think about your company as a very long-term entity right. in your community. So, Peter, you got some thoughts on that? I, the one other thing that I would add to, to the ESOP concept is the B Corporation. So oh, yeah. the number yeah, of solar uh, companies, are you guys B? No. Well, we're, you are, and we're on our way to it, and frankly, the process of going through it has made us grow up in terms of a lot of processes, which was a helpful thing to do uh, in, in and of itself. But great differentiator externally to your customers as well as a, as a place to hire. And the last thing I would say is you've heard the, you know, ABC will always be closing. 
I think ABH applies, always be hiring. <laughs> there you go. So, yep. Great. So we're running a little short on time, so what I'd like to do is I want to ask each one of you if there's, if there's one thing you think everybody should be, you know, focusing on that would help them run a really healthy contracting business, what is it? We'll start with Barry and go down the line. So one thing that came up a little bit on, on policies, I encourage everybody to be active with your local solar organization. Um, and, and there's two reasons for that. First, you can support them, you can help them pass favorable uh, regulations that apply to your industry. Like in California, we're always fighting the utilities, that helps. And the second thing, which is more subtle, but go to the meetings that the organization has because you will learn in advance how these policies will change and it will help you plan your business. So by knowing in advance that there's going to be an incentive for storage or that the rebate levels are going to go down or, or you know, January 1st, the utility plans on cutting the time of use periods, that really helps you plan your business. So financially um, and just intellectually, it's going to be very, very helpful for you. Boaz? I think the most important thing for solar contractors to do is run more and more and more efficient businesses. And the way to do that is to recognize that everything that a contractor does, anything that anybody does, can be broken down into a process. And whether it's soft stuff like sales and marketing, there's a process to that. Installation clearly has a process, et cetera. Um, if you look at which of those processes are the most important to optimize, and get serious about engaging your team in optimizing those processes, uh, that can strengthen your culture. It can help with retention because you're also giving your people stuff to work on that makes the business healthier, not just do their day-to-day -day job. Um, so engage your team in running a more efficient business. Great. Vincent. If you are looking for long-term success in this industry, my suggestion is that you stop listening to the people who tell you or to diversify, get into alarm systems. While you're in the home, you can sell ice machines. To hell with that. <laughs> stay focused. Stay focused on solar. The only thing I would suggest evolving into, obviously, it's battery storage. Become what you are. You are an energy company. All of you out there are in the energy business. Own it. Mm -hmm. By owning Amen. it, evolve, start selling microgrids, and, and get out of the, uh, the, the alarm business. That's just my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter, how about you? Good call. Um, I, I would build on what Boaz said, uh, and in the sense of, particularly with respect to lead generation and marketing, is know your numbers, right? And uh, know your numbers, not just what it costs you to acquire that lead, but what it costs you to acquire that job, right? And that, that means... Processes internally, you know, we all talk about CRM, customer relationship management. I don't really care if you use Salesforce or some fancy program or use Excel, but know which lead you converted to a real job and know the cost of that all the way through because then this sort of discussion of, oh, are the, are the purchase leads any good anymore or we're not sure, we think they're declining, that it takes all of the guesswork out of that. You know absolutely definitively if it's if these uh, if these leads are penciling or they're not great well um, I want to invite everyone to come up and ask questions after if you give all of you a hand for participating thank you so much for joining us okay that's our show from SPI 2017 a big thanks to Pam Cargill for moderating and to the panelists and thank you for listening Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and subscribe to our online magazine. 
Just Google Baywa Review, that's B-A-Y-W-A-R period E period View, Baywa Review, and you'll find us. That's it. See you next time.